Metal Sucks podcast fans. You guys want to know what's going on and what's new at Metal Blade Records this month? Let me tell you. The first thing I want to talk about is the latest release from The Ocean, Fanriazoic Live. It's coming out this November, guys, and it is a stunning live audio-visual presentation of The Ocean in all their prog glory. Make sure you guys are checking out the Fanriazoic Live, guys, the live videos right now at metalblade.com slash the ocean. Also new in the web shop, some classic reissues from the great Lizzie Borden. Make sure you guys are checking out Deal with the Devil and the Master of Disguise LP reissues, which are both going to come out this month from Metal Blade Records. And last but not least, Grease's Web. It's W-E-B. Their record, Coliseum, will be coming out. So check out all these wonderful releases from the Metal Blade Records, dude. Go to anymerch.com slash Metal Blade Records. Once again, The Ocean, Van Riazoic Live, Webs, Coliseum, and the reissues of the Lizzie Borden Classic LPs, Deal with the Devil, and Master Disguise. Go to anymerch.com slash Metal Blade Records. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petter Spych, Brandon Hahn, and Sylvia Alvarado. Metal Sucks Podcast. What is going on, everyone out there? Is I, your host, Petter Spych. I am always joined by... Hey, you cheeky bandit. It's your buddy, Gooch. Brandon Hahn. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram, at your buddy, Gooch. Cheeky bandit. Cheeky bandit. I like it. I like it. As you guys can tell, we are doing this via the Skype, but make sure you follow our other co-hosts, guys, that are not with us this week. That is Jocelyn Sharp. That's J-O-Z-A-L-Y-N Sharp on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Jocelyn Sharp, the Wizard of Jaws on TikTok, and Sylvia Alvarado at It's the Sylvia on Twitter and Instagram. This week, guys, oh, just a great chat. Fantastic. I'm super excited to promote the new record from Converge, guys. It's their collaboration record with Chelsea Wolfe, Stephen Brodsky, obviously, of Cave-In. That record, Blood Moon 1, is coming out November 19th, guys. So make sure you are pre-ordering it. November 19th, the CD and the digital vinyl records are coming out June 24th, guys. So pre-order those as well. But before we jump into the interview, me and this cheeky bastard, is that what you said? Cheeky bandit, cheeky bandit. Nobody's a bastard. Me and this cheeky bandit, we're going to do a little bit of that Metal Sucks news. We're here to tell you what you need to know. Metal Sucks News. Who is raping an upcoming show? Metal Sucks News. Dig it deep just to get the scoop. Metal Sucks News. Fill your head with the media's poop. Now that we have your attention, lend us your ears. Metal Sucks News controlling my thoughts. Will it make you happy or fill you with fear? Metal Sucks News to guide all the lost. All right, first story we're going to talk about. Got me right on the uh, got me right on the, the headline clickbait. Bam, you got me, MetalSucks.net. You got me, right? You dirty dog. Yeah, Trivium's Matt Heffy. He said uh, that Metallica is the greatest band in the world. Now. Okay. Okay. Well, hold on. I'm going to – one of us are going to take – we're, we're going to do pros and cons like always. But clearly, he might not be saying that like to say – Yes, for sure, everybody feels that. But if there was a vote of the greatest metal and hard rock 
band across the world right now, all the people that listen to our genre, the chances of Metallica oh. getting that spot, hmm? pretty high. Easy. E- oh, easy. That's pretty high. You, yeah. you don't think That's ACDC easy, or you know, Led Zeppelin. I'm, I'm, it's not active bands. He didn't say active. We don't he know. just said that. But. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, we don't even know if ACDC is ever going to go out on tour again. So it's like. Mm. Yeah. So that from, from that viewpoint, he's got a point, right? But your viewpoint, you think that that's just a crazy statement? I mean, I don't think it's crazy. I mean, it's like, I, yeah, I mean, there are, what other bands out there that can compete with Metallica's attendance? Well, okay. As far as hard rock and metal. But we're talking about attendance and obviously. And record sales, sales. and just the overall body of work. All I mean, that stuff for When it comes this. to that genre of music, mm. you know, when it comes to that genre of music, that's what you shoot for is you shoot for Metallica. That's like the best you can get. And there's, and there's been a few bands out there that have been able to get that, but it's not maintained. Metallica, for them to maintain it for as long as they have, is pretty incredible. I think it is incredible. I've had this argument about the Guns N' Roses maintaining you know, the stadium. But they didn't maintain. The- they broke up for a long time, and then they had oh. to get back together. And I personally think it's because of nostalgia. Metallica, they may, have, they may have gotten rid of the bass player, but they didn't break up. So it's like the fact that they stayed together. Their bass player. And, uh, 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 their bass player passed away. They didn't get rid of him. Okay. Okay. Just correcting you on that. Away. <laughs> One bass player passed away. They got rid of another bass player. Okay. Now they got Robert Trujillo. But but all I'm saying is though that's been the only thing that's changed within the band. Other than that, though, Metallica's never left. And then all of a sudden, you know, try to capitalize off nostalgia the way Guns N' Roses are. I got to tell you, I do think that ACDC would beat the, uh, if the vote across the world happened between the Metallica and ACDC. I feel for some reason ACDC would take that crown. I feel well, like. Well, I think ACDC, mm. ACDC, you're right. I, th- I believe you're right on that because they've had more radio hits. You know what I mean? And they're ACDC. I mean, it's like they were around before Metallica. So obviously they got a little bit more clout. I, I just I, I just feel like in the grand scheme of legacy uh, bands, and Metallica, you're right, active band. ACDC has been active. They put out records. They just put out Power Up, which I thought was great, you know, for ACDC and, and all that stuff. And um, But I just feel like show-wise, Metallica, you know, yes, they're going to pack every stadium across the world, but they're family-friendly now. You know, they're a family-friendly band. It's just a different vibe altogether. ACDC is still sleazy as shit. You know, we saw them at the last show that Brian Johnson played before, before uh, Axel took over on that tour, right? And it was amazing. It was like next level in comparison to Metallica's performance. So I feel like ACDC's imprint is the best band in the world but if, I also, if we're going to take a democratic vote in all the, the, I, the globe. I also think, though, that there is a drop-off, and you and I have had this argument before. When all the bands, when all... When the lead singer gets to be just the singer, there is an added dimension to that. You know, because not only are you the lead singer, but you're also the hype man. Now, on ACDC, you got Angus Young and you got Brian Johnson. Metallica, I'm not going to say that, you know, James got a guitar in front of him, so he's not really, he's not hype man. You know I mean? He's not going to run out there, come on, give me all the energy you can give, you know, the typical uh, friend theatrics. James isn't going to give that to you. Brian Johnson fucking created half that shit. Oh, look at you created that. He wins then. Then ACDC is the yeah. biggest active metal band across the world. But we're that, talking active. But if that, that's if metal that's or hard if they're going to go back out of the road, though. That's if they're going to go back out on the road, though. Uh, I see your point. I think they will. 
Well, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't. I, I just I love think, it. I think they will, but I, I don't know. You're right, dude. I, I think I think when a band I, reaches their age, obviously the issues they had, and you know Angus doesn't want to retire, but I just feel like this pandemic really, like it probably took years off of their life. Like they have to keep moving. Life is movement, right? If we keep moving, things happen. When we stop, it kind of slows us down. We get depressed. Things are shitty. So you got to keep moving, right? And, uh, and I'm sure that nobody in ACDC is depressed or anything like that, but I just feel like the non-movement thing at a certain age, you're like, you know what? I don't know if I'm up for it. We talked well, about Ozzy Osbourne. Like, I, I don't think he'll ever tour again because I think that he stopped and he was But Ozzy pushing. won't keep putting out music. Yeah. It's yeah, the yeah. way ACDC. Yes. That's what I'm saying. Like, they'll, they'll go into the studio and do things just to get those creative juices flowing and, you know, to make some money. But, I mean, it's like it gives you purpose. And it's like, that's what, that's what Brian Johnson is doing. Brian Johnson didn't want to quit. It's mm-hmm. not like he hit the last tour and he's like, I'm over this. It's just that he, they told him flat out, they go, if you do another live show, you could go permanently deaf forever. So he was like, well, what do I got? Like, how do I meet you in the middle? And, you know, here he is. He's still putting out music, thankfully. But I mean, as far as them going out on tour and stuff, I don't know if that's ever going to happen. I'm with you, man. So, if you had a vote, though, you think Metallica? You agree with uh, Matt Hafey on the? Uh... I'd say Metallica. I'd say Metallica just because you know they're still going out on the road. They're still going to be putting out new music. They're still going to have many, many, many reasons to tour. And look, I love ACDC, but I've seen, I've heard a lot more Metallica covers than ACDC covers. You know, I mean, it's like the imprint that that band has left on America. And on top of that, too, maybe he's even talking American heavy metal band or rock, hard rock band. You know, I can think of what Aerosmith, maybe Metallica, but other than that, Aerosmith and fairness, I think it has reached, like you said, the, the nostalgia type of, uh, yeah. Atmosphere. I mean, I, I don't know when their last record came out, but I think it was a covers record, but it's been, it's been a long time. Right. So I don't know if they're, they're exactly on the level. Like you said, Metallica's active, ACDC is active. So moving on to the next story is fun. It's fun chat. I liked it. And I, I don't I completely understand where he's coming from. But the headline grabbed me right away. The next headline that grabbed me right away, and I read it, is Avenged Sevenfold. Um, his front man, M Shadows, he said that the new albums, the songs are done, but they're not going to release it right now. They're going to release it when they want to release it. Um, and COVID-19 related issues are to blame for most of that delay. Now the last record they put out was the stage. Um, and I, if I'm wrong, forgive me. I believe it was about f- 2016, maybe five years ago. To me, I'm not a huge event sevenfold fan. I do listen to their records. I do listen to them as a band. I thought the stage was the best record they've ever put out. I thought it was a phenomenal achievement for that band. And I think that record was great, you know, and I, and I, when I revisited, I'm like, yes, this band has really found its place. So I, I'm a fan of that last record, but they surprise released it. They did not do any promotion behind it and they just dropped it. Um, in the lap of everybody. And I remember that sales-wise, I think that it did hurt the band if you compare it to their previous record, uh, Hail to the King and, and all that stuff. Yes. So it did, it did sales-wise affect the band, but they just dropped it without promoting it. So there's a very strong possibility that they will do that. Now, um, I do agree with like, hey, there should be some sort of timing when you do that, but when a band sits on a record for a long time, like Limp Biscuit did... Recently, they just dropped a record, but they dropped a record called Limp Bizkit Still Sucks. Uh, the sales for the record were only like 3,000 copies in its first week, which is great for a, you know, a band that we love, metal band, stuff like that. 3,000 copies is nothing to sneeze at. You know? But for a band on that stage of Limp Bizkit, who I believe you know, sold millions of... They were, yeah. yeah, they were in the upper echelon for a minute. 
but they released the record with no physical copies. It was only digital and streaming. So that right there, I think, I don't know what that means. I think it means like, hey, we know that you just want to hear us sing Dookie and, and whatever hits else they have, Faith. I don't know all the Olympus get hits, sorry. Um, what, what's the, not Dookie, it's Nookie. <laughs> I was about to say Dookie. <laughs> Dookie? <laughs> I apologize. Nookie. All right. Not Dookie. Well, I, dude, right. I don't know my Limp Biscuit songs too well. I'm sorry. I'm a fan of uh, Black Light Burns and everything West Borland does, but I don't know Limp Biscuit that well. So the point is, you know, they, they, they have the hits, dude. They're going to, I guarantee you, if we go see them live right now, they're going to have a packed audience. So maybe they didn't really care about the new music that much and just threw it out there. Like, we're not even going to, you know, put physical copies out. We don't really care. Right. So. Their, that record sale right. thing, I don't know if that really plays too well because, you know, they just threw it out there without promoting well, it or anything. Now, Avenged Sevenfold, on the other hand, they are, you know, when you break down the, the decades of bands, they're like, you know, you got the, the biggest bands you look at when we compare the Metallicas. You, you go from Slipknot being this big band, then you go to my mind, kind of Avenged Sevenfold, and then Ghost is kind of next in line in the next generation of huge hard rock bands. So they are up there with their fan base. The longer you wait to put out an album, the bigger the event's going to be. And this album is going to be an event to their fan base because it's been so long. Now, do you think that they should surprise release it or do you think they need to do the whole cycle to make this count? Because right now, I just keep hearing from artists, we don't make money on, on releases, so it seems like they're, they're not caring as much. What do you think? Well, I think when it comes down to releases and stuff, money goes into that promotion. Mm-hmm. So if you're an Avenged Sevenfold fan, you're just going to want to listen to whatever they have. And they've made it to that point where it's like, we could just put stuff out for our fans. And then if the casual fan wants to go, oh, they put out a new album, we can pick it up. That'll, they'll rely on that as well. Again, they're not making money. They In this day and age, they're not really making a whole lot of money off record sales. So maybe they're just trying to put it, put that money into the stage show. Maybe they're trying to put it into uh future recordings i mean it's like there's there's all types of places you can take that allotted money that you would use to promote your record and then put it into something else when it comes to music you know so um i don't think they need it i don't think anybody really needs it in this day and age right i mean am i crazy oh i think fans need new music no i think you are crazy yeah i think that without new music tours everything it, it, it's it, it gets stale when, when you see a band no, 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 20 no. times i'm not saying i'm oh. not saying new music i'm talking about album sales i'm talking about them making money off the album i'm not saying not i'm not saying stop putting out new music obviously you have to give your fans reasons to keep coming back yeah but as far as like relying on the album sales i don't think it, i don't think it's it's as important well, I think that the, yeah. that first week sales is a barometer for you know a lot of things like to know if they sell the albums. Hey, we can fill up arenas. We can do this. Like otherwise, you don't want to book a tour of arenas when you have three thousand first week sales. Like Limp Bizkit, you're like, all right, we need to scale back because we don't know what or where our fan base is going to come out. It tells you a lot, you know. And big financial decisions are made based on the performance of that record. If that record's hot and they're like, whoa, we sold more in 2021 than we did in 2016 of whatever their last record, dude, that gives you a barometer of where to go. Um, of course, with nostalgia, it's completely different. I get that, but I, I get that, but I've also seen people announce a tour before the record comes out because they know just the sheer news of the record is going to get people, oh, okay, I'll go, give them a, go give them a chance again. I mean, that's what I, I've seen that happen a lot. So I just think that with Avenged Sevenfold, their fan base is very passionate and they already know that they could go to 
whatever venue that they feel comfortable in and they know they could sell it out and they could keep selling it out. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's like, there's, there's, I just think that when it comes to those guys, they know they could just drop it and then it'll feel like some kind of secret lease release. And, and in some ways the fans think it's awesome because, you know, maybe they weren't the first ones to get it, but then it just keeps them like just checking the internet every five seconds to go back and see if the release did happen or not. So it just keeps it just keeps fans still checking in on them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I totally get it, dude. I totally get it. I I, I do feel like um, the the big album, you know, the Metallic albums, the Avenged Sevenfold albums. I do feel like I'm hoping that they get the the press, they get the event treatment. Even though I'm not huge fan of those things, because I think that's really good for music. I think a lot of the younger fans and stuff like that that are into these bands, because I remember. You know, I'm gonna be there at midnight to get that new record. I'm, I remember all those days, and I and I really want that environment for younger people, even though it might be gone. But I do feel that the marketing and the press, if it's done right, the kids do get that feeling. So, moving on to the next story, last story we're gonna talk about before we jump into our interview with Jacob Bannon of Converge, guys, to promote the new record, Blood Moon. It's coming out November 19th. Foo Fighters are putting out a film. Not just a film for the fan base, a film that will be in movie theaters. 2,000 uh, um, theaters, it's going to open up in America in February. And it is a film called Studio 666 by a director named B.J. McConnell, who did, um, for us fans that don't know, he, he did Slayer's Repentless Killology, the last tour DVD they put out where they kind of had a storyline of just murder. <laughs> it was just murder. It was really, uh, the, the storyline was bad, but the uh, gruesomeness of it was pretty intense. And he did Hatchet 3. Which, um, as far as Hatchet movie goes, you got four, right? You got Hatchet 1, 2, 3, and Victor Crowley. Hatchet 3 is probably the second best. Well, I'll give him the second best. But we all know Hatchet 2 is the best. So the point is, is the guy's got some I mean, gruesome, obviously. gruesome, gruesome tactics that he can pull off. Um, which I don't know if that works for Foo Fighter fans. What do you think about Foo Fighters doing like a, a That's what brutal Slayer like, type of movie? Like, obviously, the Slayer thing makes sense. But what do you think about the Foo Fighters going this route? Yeah, I think the most brutal movie I've seen recently is John Wick. And I don't think I could see, I don't think I could hear like, you know, Everlong playing while John Wick takes a book and throws it at someone's throat. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think, yeah, I, I, I don't think hardcore violence when I think Foo Fighters, I just can't see it happening. Well, best to be playing while somebody's stretching a, their scrot over their throat or whatever. I mean, who knows? That rhyme didn't make any sense. It did. It made, it rhymed. <laughs> And that's really, and in the end, that's really all that matters. I think you're right. I think in the end, all that matters. Now, are you going to go see this movie? Because you're not a horror movie fan. You actually really no, just, I'm not. For people that don't know, Brandon will watch every Disney movie out there. He loves that shit. He'll yes. talk about Up, and he'll talk about all those movies over and over again in references. But he's human will, experiences. He will not watch horror films. Me, I'm a huge horror film guy, or any kind of well, you know whatever. You're good at you're good at you're good at separating fiction from reality and i am not my imagination goes crazy <laughs> that's that's scary bro so if you watch a horror movie and it's completely out asinine and out there it's gonna get into your craw and you're gonna not sleep well i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna start thinking that it's 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 crazy yes i know it sounds crazy but yes that's exactly what happens it's like i i uh i, I just start i automatically empathize with the people who have had their friends killed or something. And I'm like, oh, man, what would happen if Pete got his head chopped right in the middle? You know, I'd be bummed oh. out, you know, and I start, yeah. 
that's what happens. I don't sit there and focus on the fun of violence like you do. Yeah, like, you know, oh, that was that was a pretty cool, that was a pretty eclectic kill. But meanwhile, I'm like, oh man, what about that 16 year old girl who just lost her virginity's parents? You know what? The reality is, is that I would survive in a horror film, and you know you'd be dead. <laughs> I know I'd be dead. Every bad be move dead. some dude does in a horror film, Brandon, you've done. <laughs> so you're... I, I've done. I've checked on the noise. <laughs> so, so you're going to stick with Cars 2 and the reality of that movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'll, take, I'll stick with Cars 2 over Texas Chainsaw Massacre, over Halloween Kills. There's no fucking way that was good. I actually didn't see that one. It's crazy. You, just, you would think that I would jump at it, but I, I don't know. I, I didn't. It didn't entice me yet. And and me, I got to see it in the theater. I'm not one of these stream on HBO Max people. What? Stop! I just not. I'm, you're not going to make me. Do I that. don't. Need I'm not watching see, Dune on HBO Max, see. dude. I'll, I'll see it in the theaters, or I'll, yeah. I'll see it later. You know. I don't need to see Jamie Lee Curtis. You know what I mean? Uh, old. You know what I mean? Let me. Let me. Let me just keep this this vision of jamie lee curtis the original scream queen let me just keep her like like she was in 78 i don't need to see them constantly bringing her back into the fold after the second movie it's over well i guess after that ageist comment that everybody's rolling their eyes (laughs) same thing with linda hamilton and terminator 2 like dude it's already served its course why do we keep going because again it's this obsession with fucking uh nostalgia how about we say arnold schwarzenegger in the terminator movies leave linda hamilton alone oh yeah all right yeah she might schwarzenegger in the terminator movies like dude you're supposed to be a fucking terminator how are you aging (laughs) you know what i mean like it's like you're not you're not supposed to have old ass oh man it's so stupid I, i again again that nobody ages in cars too <laughs> so. i'm making i'm making too much sense to the world here's the thing they do age in cars too because paul newman was in cars one and he died and they had a little tribute to him in cars two so suck it yep toy story four was a, was a heartbreaker as well so with that it was <laughs> i know i know hey, you, man, i haven't you seen it don't, at toy hey, story three i haven't seen toy story three toy story three i haven't seen this toy story three up I have, inside out i saw up. you're dead on the inside Okay, I didn't see. I didn't see anything else, so maybe I don't want to cry, so I stay away from the tearjerker uh, kids movies, and I stick to the stupid violent horror movies. You're missing. You're you just, you're you're afraid of the human experience. You're afraid of learning something about yourself. I accept. <laughs> How about fair enough? <laughs> fair enough. Moving on, guys. The reason you're here. Let's jump into my interview with the one and only Jacob Bannon of Converge. everyone what's going on petter on the phone i have jacob bannon from converge and we are here to celebrate the new collaboration album blood moon one it's coming out november 19th now jacob thank you so much for joining the show my friend um first question i want to ask i'm sure it's kind of the one that you've gotten a lot of but the collaboration album has been something you guys have wanted to do for some time um like axe to fall had a lot of collaborations uh, the first one that really stuck out with me was obviously Grim Rose Blackheart from No Heroes. It was such a centerpiece to that album. But what yeah. what made you feel like this time it was going to be a full album? And how long did you want to, as a as a band, kind of collaborate with another artist completely? Well, I know for well, thank you for having me. Number one, um, and to, to answer your question. Uh, you know, Kurt and I have talked about, um, and, and the rest of us, but I remember Kurt and I, but even before Nate and, uh, and Ben joined, joined our band, you know, nearly 20 years ago or something, 
we talked about, you know, trying to bring in different instrumentation to do different kinds of things, add dynamics, more dynamics to what we were already doing. And as we became better players, became more technically proficient, uh, we just started to really think that that could be a possibility. Um, you know, we can fast forward to, um, to around like 2009, you mentioned like the Axe to Fall record, I think. Did you yeah, I know you mentioned Grimheart Black Rose. Yes, um, Axe to Fall. Um, well, yeah, so well, Grim, yeah, Grimheart on No Heroes was a great example of bringing in somebody that as a guest where, you know, Jonah, for example, is one of my favorite vocalists of all time. And I sorry, I basically I wrote I wrote lyrics and phrasing for him of what I wanted him to sing, and he then took that and ran with it and added his own color and nuance to things, and that was really special for me. And I really I enjoyed that personally, and you know wanted to do more of that. But I also I didn't want to steer the ship per se, you know. And I I think that a lot of the guest things that we've done in the past, like the Axe to Fall album, where you had a bunch of guest players. There was definitely a lot of that where we would, you know, write the parts for people and say, this is what we want. And we just want your, you know, music voicing here, you know, whether it be guitar, whether it be vocals, what have you. And for the most part, people would do that. And it was, it was great, but it wasn't really collaborative, you know, like we would, for us to work with other other musicians, we would do it outside of the Converge world in, in our variety of our other bands and projects that we have. So we always thought that it would be really cool to do it under the Converge name. You know, how do we actually collaborate? How do we break from our typical structure that we've had in place for so long and write with other people? And the idea of essentially big band Converge kind of started to, to take shape and then in 2016, we had the opportunity to, to do it. Uh, Walter uh, at Roadburn, who's the, the promoter who does the Roadburn Festival in Europe, he, uh, he basically asked if we would you know, do something like that there, or at least at the very least, just do something with Roadburn. And so we thought that would be a really cool opportunity to, to really try to take this idea and turn it into something um, more substantial so at that time Kurt did some demoing of songs like he took uh, Last Light for example which is on our You Fail Me album and reworked it in a way that had a totally different sort of character and a different sort of diverse dynamic going on musically and we presented that to um, to Chelsea Wolf and Ben C who plays with Chelsea as well and said, you know, would you want to do this with us? And we also presented it to Steve Brodsky. He was like, would you want to do something like, like, like this with us where we rework some of our songs and just go out there and play as a seven-piece band? And they were all really open to the idea of doing that. And so we went for it. We did, I think, three or four shows. And at the end of it, we felt really positive, all of us, all seven of us, and we wanted to write together and can and continue this. Um, so at that time, we basically started demoing material and trading songs to one another since then. And I, I can't believe it's been almost five years, mm -hmm. but it basically has been, <clears throat> which is pretty crazy uh, to think about how much time has passed. So it took a while. You know, we were trading these ideas and we were also all working on our own music and albums and 
other projects in that time, but it was like something that was on this big, big stovetop of, of things, you know, that we would want to do one day. It was on the, on a back burner, but not totally on the back burner. And then we uh, made time to do it in 2020. And then the, then the pandemic happened. Mm. So we were supposed to be in the studio um, basically in early spring of 2020 recording this record and we refined the demos to the point where we felt like we had a, a lot of you know a lot of good stuff that we wanted to refine and and document and then we couldn't do it um, so we had to make a decision and we were like in a bit of a holding pattern for a while and then we just said hey you know what let's try to do it remotely if we can as much as we can and um, and you know fulfill ourselves creatively with that so we started doing that um and that was just a a long process and you know kurt had a monster of an engineering project on his on his plate with this because we you know we're all tracking independently all were you know then all sort of presenting these musical ideas and then we would share these ideas and then you know, have version four and five and six of a song, and then we would change this of a song. And there was a lot, you know, a lot of, a lot of contributions, you know, a lot of different ideas. But the, the big thing that was different than anything, any other band relationship that we ever had was we were open to them. We're like, in our, in our core Converge camp, you know, we're like siblings, you know, so like we can be pretty cutthroat with one another in like fun ways. It's like, we're, there's a lot of sarcasm and a lot of snippy stuff and it's funny and we just kind of you know we move on and we say like that idea sucks we're not doing that nope sorry um but in in this we were much more open to everybody you know and much more open to what everybody was bringing to the table um even if it was an idea that conflicted with a previous idea you know just to, for the betterment of a song you know nobody was really married to their version of a song so say for example um the first song we released was the song called blood moon right mm -hmm. and i wrote the meat of that song myself and when i presented that to to the the crew it became an entirely different song over time but that's what i loved about it you know like it, it evolved it progressed you know some of the ideas that were in my original demos were gone but what what flourished and kind of blossomed out of that over with everybody's contributions, it became so much more, you know, and that was, uh, that was something that was so cool about this whole process for all of us, because we were all bringing songs to the table and they were all sort of morphing and mutating over time and um, only, only for the betterment of the material itself. And it was uh, just a super cool process. And I got to tell you the 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 process of, of how you explained it because yes, Kurt has worked with uh, Chelsea on, on many of her records. Obviously, a, a very a glue that binds in the sound of Converge. It really came together very cinematically for you guys. And and your project where your where your wounds obviously has a very cinematic approach. And Chelsea did also put out the Birth of Violence, which was one of our favorite records uh, a year back. Mm -hmm. Both having a very softer kind of style and approach. Did you guys when you first collaborate? at any time think that maybe that was something that you guys wanted to try together kind of a softer approach or was it always like no this is going to be under the converge banner and we need to make sure well, we maintain that well it's funny that the the actual the character of it sort of was defined by those shows right so like mm. when we did those shows we put it we understood that it was going to be something that would be quite heavy at times and actually like like almost like oppressingly heavy at times but then it would have a 
it, it would shift gears and and have like a, just like a entirely different toolbox than what we normally do uh because there's moments that are more almost like rock oriented than than um i guess like hardcore or metal oriented mm -hmm. there's moments where that are kind of proggy there's moments that are kind of like soupy and lush there's like a lot of different stuff going on and to me that got really exciting because at first like you don't yeah you don't exactly know what's going to happen right with this like a collaboration like this but once we started to realize that we weren't we weren't kind of like looking down a tunnel and and we weren't looking like looking at it like we're just going to make this like oppressive doom record or something um then we realized that it was it was free to have all these cool voicings and all these these cool dynamics that we never really thought about having in a converge a typical converge song um and so with that said you know ben c and chelsea are also coming at it where they play material that is it's also quite heavy in its own way but is more atmospheric and cinematic as you said and they wanted to kind of rock harder mm -hmm. you know and that's that was really interesting because we didn't even think about it that way you know when we came into it we we're like yeah we're just adding all this diversity and then we never really because we're not them we're not looking at it going um what's what's elements that they may be missing from their their you know typical music musical wheelhouse that they want to explore you know and then we realized that they want to do that you know that chelsea wants to rage a bit and this is awesome you know this is really cool we weren't expecting this because we didn't know what to expect and then it started to really come together and become this like really diverse dynamic thing and i keep using that word a lot but it's like the only word i can really think of that kind of hits it on the head um you know it it just really became this thing with a lot of depth um, reminding me of records that I go to a lot in my own listening, um, not, not stylistically, but just an approach. Like, like one of my favorite records is like Led Zeppelin houses of the Holy, for example. Mm. And it's not really a Led Zeppelin record that people typically go to as like a, uh, as a classic Led Zeppelin record, you know, or at least like, you know, a go-to listening one, but it has so much diversity in it. And the diversity is the character of the band. And I thought that that was what we were building was something akin to that, not like we're Led Zeppelin or anything like that, but in the sense that it had all these different voicings and it had all these different like twists and turns. And because of the twists and turns, it stays exciting throughout, you know, it's not, it's not a dense listen in a way that um, I think that maybe if every song was just like the, the opening track of the record it, it could have been that dense let me ask you this because you brought up that record fantastic record obviously but if you had to pick one track off that record to reimagine re-envision and kind of cover uh with let's just say converge with the chelsea and steve uh and ben you know collaboration what track would you think you guys would jump at and and really change up for us Oh, I, I want to do No Quarter. Mm, oh, yeah, dude. That would be so awesome. That whole record, the whole vibe of that record really, I don't know, is, is something that really connects with me. Um, but also, like, you know, early Pink Floyd records, all night mm. early Pink Floyd records, all Pink Floyd records, things that have, like, these, like, um, these, like, multi-layered, multi-layered depths to them where you can kind of like fall through from layer to layer to layer to layer. Like, that's that's music that interests me right now. You know, stuff that's 
not just surface level, you know, subgenre A or B, you know, things that you really have to unpack a bit. And like, that's what I've been going to. So I've been going to a lot of the classics because they were at all these bands were at the forefront of doing these things, you know, way, way back when, um, and everything in the world has been done before. So, you know, why not go to the, the primordial ooze and see, uh, and see what folks were up to. Um, but yeah, that's just like the kind of music that interests me, um, at this point. Dude, I gotta tell you that I, I can imagine the no quarter, uh, that would be an amazing cover song if you guys ever do that for fun or whatever like that, but that would be great. And, and but that's, I, I'm with you on the, the music that I want now as a listener to, and I'm 41 years old and, and I need yep. it, I need it to be something that I can listen to uh, for a week, put it away and then listen to it the next week. And I hear it completely new. Um, yeah, right. Yeah. And you know, like it, it's so important. Like I've lately, I've been going back to like going back to like to who records. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you can go back like, obviously like, like Quadrophenia is like a, a work of art and like, you know, who's next work of art. But if you just like sit and subtly listen to Keith Moon's beat choices and there's so, and, and mind you, like many of them are just completely unconscious, you know, this is just dealing with, it's just, it's just what's coming out of them. And just like the way he's approaching percussion and some of these st- songs that would be otherwise not typical, but colored in a way that would be more recognizable. And then you're hearing them sort of like flipped on their head and fills in the weirdest places, like fills in like the, like, I don't know, like in places that like, just really like, honestly confuse me in some ways you know like they can like just their placement but it may it's the genius of it though it adds such an energy and heart to things and like then you start like you can start unpacking every instrument like that and it's uh it's totally fascinating and you you can probably do that for a hundred years with pink floyd as well Mm And that's and that's like that's that's a fantastic uh, viewpoint on it though. And I, do you feel like back then? And I've always wondered about this. Now, music obviously, I wasn't fully alive to understand the scene back then and all that stuff. But do you think when there's bands across the world challenging each other and doing all these things to have to sound different and have to stand out, that it's a fantastic thing for rock and roll? Well, it's I, I have a I guess like a yes and no i agree with it that it's a thing and then a byproduct of that thing is is great art and music right Mm -hmm. but one thing that i've never enjoyed and i still don't is like the uh the competitive nature that happens with things like that you know um like for me it's like one of those one of those things where like i want i want art and music and the creators of, of it to be com- as as much of a community as possible and there de- that definitely exists right but then there's there's also artists and there's also especially back then um like i take rush for example right mm-hmm. um rush w- were incredibly mm-hmm. I- incredibly focused on that and were really competitive not competitive where they want to be a bigger band but they wanted to be a technically proficient band and simply be able to play better than any of their, you know, their peers and contemporaries at the time and be able to, you know, craft songs in ways that, uh, that were just, you know, out of the reach of the black Sabbaths of the day and stuff like that. And it's not to say that that didn't make that rush didn't make great art and music, but like, 
I think that sometimes that kind of like chip on the shoulder kind of approach to making anything, uh, you're only doing yourself a disservice because it's not about being better because everybody's different. You should just be just be different from each other, you know, and be okay with that and celebrate that um, as opposed to it being like a divisive thing. And I especially I see that now where like, you know, just like meeting young bands and talking to young bands and, and, you know, like their, their approaches that, that come around sometimes where you're just like, this isn't a competition. There's plenty of room for everybody, you know, like we can all exist and, and do whatever and feed off of one each other in positive ways. Like I, I personally enjoy really being inspired by, you know, a, a different, you know, like a, a, a different band or artist or just like seeing something be like, wow, that was great. That energy today was awesome. And you see, you know, band A or B and like, just like really get into that sort of thing. Like that, I don't know, to me that, that that's more valuable than like the competitive edge and what that brings out in music. Because like, I don't know, I just think that when everything is a competition, nobody wins. Um, I don't know. That's just introspective me and, you know, like, you know, like dad of dad of two boys, me talking, you know? Yes. Um, no, I, I was just going to say, I, I think there's a lot of really great things that you just said right there. I'm also a father of, of two kids and I know that we live in a competitive society and it's a very, it's hard for me to explain. All right. Well, you, you your motivations need to just be positive and that makes them genuine. And yes, negative yeah. motivations will take up enough time and get you to where you got to go. But I always try to tell them, I go, good habits, they take as much time, as much effort as bad habits. It's your choice, right? And they really right. do. If you want to go drink every weekend, it's a lot of work. It's hard to do. It's a bad habit if that's where you want to go. And, and it's a life choice, and it's fine. And I respect all life choices. But if you decide to do something positive that puts in that amount of time, you're going to get the same you know, energy, I guess. It's just going to be... Okay. Well, yeah, here's the thing. A metaphor that works well for mm -hmm. that, right? Is that, okay... The path that you're going to take, it's always going to be a road. It's going to, the road is always going to have a measurable metric. You're always going to be able to go down that road. It might take you one mile. It might take you 100 miles. It, take, it might take you one year or 25 years to go down that road. But the ways in which you color your life and your approach to those things will dictate what the weather looks like when you get there. Mm. That is a good so, one. yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. So, so you don't want to, like, you might attain all of those things that you want to, or that, you know, as an artist, you might grow in such a way where you might get there in 10 years and be the artist that you want to be, but you might be sitting there inside of, you know, under a torrential downpour of shit that followed you. Um, or you might be sitting there alone because nobody likes you, because you you isolated yourself with your, your behavior. Um, or you just might like, it just might not look the same because of the, you know, the, the sort of, I don't know, the, the, the shoot, the choices, the competitive choices that you make to get there. And I would much rather get to any place in life and it be the way I envisioned, whether it be, it be like a sunny day or, or whatever, you know, um, but yeah, cause I mean, this, you're still going to get down that road. Time's still going to pass. Um, you know, you're still probably going to put in the work if you're dedicated to it. Um, but you don't want to be sitting there alone at the end of the day. 
Absolutely. That's a, that's a great metaphor. I, I, I'm probably going to use that because you're right. Walking through the sand on the beach is going to be hard, but it's beautiful. And walking through a right. hurricane is going to be a nightmare and you might get through it. But yeah, no, it's a, it's a, that's a really good thing. The weather is, is, is your choice. I like that, man. That's really good. Thank you so much for that. See, I love it. That's why I love doing interviews. Like you, you just, you connect and then there's something that you get out of there that's positive and, and uh, I've been doing this for like five or six years and I never leave without some sort of, you know, knowledge, you know, and I like, I love that. Um, real, sure. yeah. real, real quick. Cause I know I, 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 I wanted to focus. I definitely want to focus and promote the record. I want to remind everybody guys, if you oh, haven't Converge's new record, blood moon one collaborative record with Chelsea Wolf, Ben C and then Steven Brodsky guys, make sure you guys are picking it up. It's coming out 1119. It's a fantastic record. I'm super lucky that I got to hear it early. Now, um, touring is very possible with this team that you guys have. Uh, I've, I've, uh, always loved the special show type of thing. I, I always go back to, um, seeing Colt Luna and Julie Christmas at a psycho Vegas. Cause I'm out here in Las Vegas and how so great. Oh, that was such a record. Great. Right. It was amazing. And then that, and I was lucky enough to see the performance. I know they only did a few and, uh, when, yeah, see, you, you guys were there that year, weren't you? We just did a normal set at one of the psycho Vegas's, but we were so in and out of there, um, because we had a variety of other things going on that, uh, um, yeah. that week. I, that was actually the same week that I did. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but I, I did a project called Dune Devil where I went and stayed out in a dune shack with no, no electricity or water or anything. Um, and I basically made abstract art for a week and, um, in, in isolation and then, and then, then left there, but I made a book of it and, um, and did some, yeah, I did a, I made a book and a record while I was there of music that I, that I brought, I brought like a little battery thing with me and, um, and I recorded some stuff out there and I released it. But I, I went right from that show right to the dunes. Oh. That's that was how I I did that. Oh, dude, I, um, I, I'm not familiar with that. Sounds awesome, dude. Dune Devil, it's called. Yeah, Dune Devil. Mm-hmm. The book is. I did two. There was the book. Um, did two editions, and then it. Um, and I don't. I'm not planning on doing another one. Um, and then there's a an accompanying uh, record as well. Um, but actually, it's it's great that you mentioned Cult of Luna. Actually. Um, just because Magnus from Cult of Luna actually um, mastered this record, so he, yeah, Ma- Magnus Lindbergh, uh, he mastered the Blood Moon album. Oh, nice! Look at that, and they got a, a record coming out in February. I'll be talking to him again. I'm, I'm excited about that record too. But yeah, that performance with the Julie Christmas and Cult of Luna really special. Do you guys plan yeah. on doing like a full tour um, with this record, or do you feel like that might be an opportunity time to present it like they kind of did uh, to the fan base in the world? We want to do some proper some proper, proper touring, but really the issue here is just, you know, COVID and the logistics mm-hmm. of all of that right now, you know, and just trying to work within everybody's schedules. But, you know, we really hope to to do it at some point in the future. But, you know, we're just kind of taking it day by day in terms of, you know, what we can plan and, you know, and, and what we can commit to uh, because, you know, the the atmosphere is changing every day in terms of, you know, live music still. So we're not quite there yet, but, um, like we, we, we announced one, one show that we'll play at, at Hellfest in Europe, um, in July of next year, um, as Converge Blood Moon. Um, and, you know, hopefully we can make more things happen around that time and also in the States as well. And we'll see. Dude, France, Hellfest is in France, right? 
Am I wrong? No, it's, yeah, yes. you know, they, it's an incredible. It's actually, it, it's a really incredible festival they put on now. They they own the festival grounds, and so it's basically like a compound. Um, it's yeah, it's it's probably the the best of the the larger metal fests in terms of that sort of thing or, or aggressive music festivals. It's really special. Beautiful guys. France, make sure you guys are picking up for July. I'm sure everybody does in that region, but with that, I don't want to hold you up on your next interview just in case, dude, I saw our times right a little bit over everybody. Do not, do not hesitate. Make sure you're picking up blood moon one converge. It's a fantastic red. I'm super excited. It's coming out 1119 guys. So pre-order it today with that. Jacob, thank you so much, my friend for calling into the podcast. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Blood moon ascends at night Blast the cosmic eye Free of the chains Let to finalize Cuts through flesh and bone Lead to the glow of souls Gazing far and wide Devoid of hope Thank you.
the Metal Sucks Podcast.
All right, guys, and we are back. First song you heard is off the latest record from Gerverge Blood Moon, the collaborative record with Chelsea Wolfe, Stephen Brodsky of Cave In. Guys, that is the title track, Blood Moon. Second song you heard off the same record. That track is called Coil. Once again, guys, it is coming out November 19th. Pre-order it. I'm telling you, this record is fantastic. You guys, make sure you're picking it up. CD, digital, November 19th. As I mentioned before, June 24th, you can get that vinyl, but you can pre-order it now. Third song you guys heard is from a band called Thulkandra, and their record, A Dying Wish, it just came out October 29th. That track is called Funeral Pyre. I've been listening to that record a lot, guys. It's fantastic. Make sure if you haven't checked out Thulkandra, you do. That's T-H-U-L-C-A-N-D-R-A. And with that, I want to thank everybody out there for the five-star reviews we get on the good old Apple iTunes. That is all we ask for as a podcast team. That's it. If you guys take the time to listen, we never miss an interview. We never miss an episode, as you guys know, for five years now. I always get to talk to all these fantastic artists. It's really just a lucky place to be in. But we do it for you guys because we want to make sure you guys get it as well. All we ask for as a podcast team is going to Apple iTunes, hitting five stars. We don't need comments. We don't need nothing. Just hit that five-star button. And if you want to support our other podcast, the Documentary Discussion Podcast, Rise to Offend is the name. We've done many artists that have been offensive in society and their legacy today. Uh, recently just got someone that brought up John Callahan to me, which was was happy because that was a great episode that we were really proud to do. But we've done Steve Biko. We've done John Callahan. We've done Married with Children. We've done Andrew Dice Clay. We've done Gigi Allen, Chuck Schuldiner of Death, Phil Anselmo, Peter Steele. Guys, if you're interested in a documentary con- uh, podcast that uses interviews, check it out. If you want to see how Marilyn Manson was before this last year, we did six hours on him. Rise to Offense, the name of the podcast. And with that, all our friends, we hope you're doing fantastic out there. Positive, love. We'll talk to you guys next week. Pixar over New Line Cinema. The Metal Sucks Podcast is signing off.